Now time for the BCHL Podcast, presented by Subway. Here's Finn Williams to end the game to the floor. Yeah. He scores! There's a backdoor play. What a goal! Zach Michaelis! Rolling puck in front. Tied up in skate. Rowan Clark with a heroic save. My goodness, Rowan Clark. What did you eat for pregame? Real balls, real shoot scores! Patrick for Nick Real. Donaldson driving the goal, wrapping around. He scores! Brilliant goal by Sean Donaldson. Schleppi to the goal. Once again, he scores! Oh my word, Tyler Schleppi with a dandy! Three on one. A move. Vito back to a move. What a save by May. Coming across with the left leg. My goodness. Hey there. Welcome to the BCHL podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. We've got another great episode for you today with three fantastic interviews. Uh, But before we get to that, as usual, I want to remind everyone that the BCHL podcast is presented by Subway. Subway is a longtime partner of the BCHL, and we thank them for their continued support. Before we get to the guest list, a quick recap of what's going on in the league. There were two exciting Game 7s earlier this week. Sunday night, the Chilliwack Chiefs beat the Coquitlam Express 6-0 in Game 7 to win their first round series. And a night later, it was the Salmon Arm Silverbacks winning their first round series in a seventh game uh, by a 6-3 score against the Wenatchee Wild. After those games, the second round was officially set. In the Coastal Conference, it will be the Alberni Valley Bulldogs taking on the Langley Rivermen and the Chilliwack Chiefs taking on the Nanaimo Clippers. And in the Interior Conference, the Penticton Vs play the Prince George Spruce Kings and the Salmon Arm Silverbacks go up against the West Kelowna Warriors. This is being recorded on Thursday afternoon, so by the time you hear this on Friday, one game will have already been played. Penticton and Prince George play on Thursday night, with the other three series getting started with their game ones on Friday night. All right, let's get to our guests. On this week's episode, we speak with Salmon Arm Silverbacks forward and BCHL playoff leading scorer Noah Serdachny. We also chat with Chilliwack Chiefs head coach Brian Maloney. And finally, we speak with BCHL alumnus Michael Gartag. First things first, our conversation with Noah Serdachny. Serdachny had a big Game 7 for Salmon Arm on Monday night. He had three assists in his team's 6-3 win. And on the season, as I mentioned earlier, he leads the BCHL playoffs in scoring with 14 points in seven games, and that's on four goals and 10 assists. We chat with Serdachny about his solid start to the BCHL playoffs, about the atmosphere in Salmon Arm for Game 7. If anybody saw that game on bchl tv or was at the game it was uh, quite the raucous atmosphere so that was great to see uh so we touch on that uh his connection with his line mate simon tassie his commitment to colorado college uh lots of stuff to cover so let's not waste any more time here is our conversation with salmon arm silverbacks forward noah Serdakny. All right, Noah, your team had a big Game 7 on Monday night against the Wenatchee Wild. Uh, before we get into the specifics of the game, uh, watching on, on BCHL TV there, the crowd seemed like it was pretty into it, pretty packed house there. So uh, what was the atmosphere like playing in that uh, kind of environment? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, uh, the support all series long from the fans was amazing. And also with the game being on a Monday night and 1,300 or... However many people who were able to make it out just shows how much this 
this town cares about us and, and our hockey and we're really happy happy to get it done for, for the fans. Yeah, that's something that's really stood out to me. I know I've been getting photos from the game and seeing it on hockey TV and you get some of the photos and there's fans with signs in the building. There, I saw yeah. a bunch of people with the, 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 the word ta- Tassie spelt out on their t-shirts. So yeah. um, it seems like it's kind of hit another level in the playoffs. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. It's been amazing. There's been... There's been uh, signs for for a lot of us, and those Tashi search were awesome too. And we got a really good group of guys too. For, uh, they call themselves Section L, which uh-huh. have been huge, and they just they go crazy. And it, I know it really fires the boys up and and helps us get a little get a little extra. So yeah. So getting into the game, uh, that game seven, you had three assists in that game. Uh, obviously, a good offensive performance from you. How important was it for you as one of the offensive leaders in, of the team to put in a strong performance with the season on the line the way it was on Monday? Yeah, I think it was big for for our, for our guys to step up in a game like that. You can be as good as you want in the, in the regular season and whatever, but if you can't step up in the playoffs, then, uh, you know, but that's just when you want to step up and and be your best. So it was nice for for us to to get the job done. I'm just happy happy we got it done, and I'm really looking forward to this next round here. So Wenatchee was the number seven seed, um, but they they gave you a, a pretty good battle in the series. They came back yeah. from two nothing down, uh, forced the game seven on their home ice. So um, what what did you see from them? What impressed you about them uh, as an opponent yeah. in the first round? Yeah, for sure. I give lots of credit to them. They've improved a significant amount from the beginning of the year and they just had no quit and, uh, they played really well. They played us hard and capitalized when they needed to get on the special teams. And yeah, they, they put up a really good series. So going through a seven game series like that, especially in the first round, you, you kind of see it usually go one of two ways. You can either tire out a team, wear them down a bit, or uh, sometimes it kind of pushes them to an experience like that gives the team confidence to go deep in the playoffs. So obviously uh, you, with your team, you, you want that to push you to go deeper in the playoffs. How do you plan to use that experience going forward? Yeah, I think it was good for us. Uh, haven't, haven't had some playoff games in a couple of years. I know anyone hasn't, so think of personally as a group, we were just using those games. And since we haven't played in a while, it's good to, to get a couple extra ones under the belt. doesn't matter if you went in four or five or seven, as long as you get the job done. So, uh, our, our group's really happy with our win, but, uh, you know, sometimes the first round is the hardest. So, um, we're just looking forward to keep getting going. And I know we have a really strong, well-conditioned group, so we're ready to go. So you're leading the BCHL playoffs and scoring after the first round. You had 14 points in seven games. Uh, so you, you had a strong regular season, but you seem to have maybe found uh, another level in the postseason. Um, how have you been able to accomplish that? Yeah, um, just like I said a little bit earlier, I'm the type of player I really pride myself on on the big games and playoffs. And uh, I feel like uh, big, big players, that's when they're at their best, stepping up in the playoffs. So that's what I've really been trying to do and having not played in a couple of years was really exciting and just, just hoping we can keep it rolling here. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, your, your line mate, Simon Tassi, uh, who he's a finalist for the league MVP award. He's second in playoff scoring uh, to you. He was second in, in scoring in the regular, or sorry, third in scoring in the regular season. Uh, I know you played with him last year as well. So what is it between the two of you that meshes so well on the ice? Yeah, he, he makes my life easy, you know, kind of just knowing where, where we at at, at all times. And 
kind of just like being able to to create from anywhere, whether it's off the rush or the ozone or even the power play, just like when, when one thing's not going, we can be able to get the other thing going and just, just uh, I live with him as well, being able to develop that chemistry and just better by the game. And it's been, yeah, it's been really great. And he makes it, he makes it easy to, to play with. Yeah. I mentioned he's a finalist for the league MVP. I'm guessing uh, if you had a vote in it, uh, it would go to Simon. Yeah, for sure. He'd have my vote. Um, 100%. Uh, so now you, you look ahead to your series against West Kelowna. You're obviously familiar with them. You've played them six times in the regular season. You guys actually won the season series four games to two. Uh, what kind of problems does West Kelowna present as an opponent? Yeah, um, they're extremely good offensively. Uh, they got a lot of talent, but a lot of talent there and yeah, just super good offensively, lots of good high-end players. So just kind of weathering that and keeping them off the power play as much as we can. And when we do, just just win the special teams battle and just don't get uh, sucked into the kind of game they want to play. Just play our game and, yeah. Uh, and another kind of trap you see in playoff hockey is uh, a team has a, a high-stakes game seven, do or die, and then it's game one of the next series, and maybe the stakes aren't quite as high. Um, it's, yeah. it's it's not a, a win-and-go-home type of situation. So how do you guys plan to approach that and, and transitioning into game one of the next series after coming off that, that high of the game seven win against Wenatchee? Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's a extremely important uh, game one for each team. could uh, shift the series in a really crucial way, so I know good we got the game seven win we're happy about it but just press that reset button and come out flying for game one i don't know maybe use a bit of that momentum we had from that game seven and get this series off to a good start because that game one could be very crucial just switching gears here a little bit um after the pod season last year you committed to colorado college um just curious why was that school the right fit for you why did you ultimately decide uh to commit there yeah i just really built a good relationship with the coaching staff and the recruiting process. And, um, they play in one of the top conferences or not the top conference in the country. And just, uh, to be able to play against the top end talent every night and getting better night in night out, and kind of just going there and being, being a good guy for them. And, uh, they believe in me as well. So I just go there and yeah. Uh, so uh, I've asked pretty much every salmon arm player that I've interviewed this year about the purple jerseys. Uh, they're they're one of my favorites in the league, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, yeah. uh, how how do you feel wearing that night in and night out? I love the purple. Yeah, I think it looks really good. It matches us well with our helmets and pants as well and it's definitely one of my favorite ones for sure yeah i don't know if it's a coincidence you guys change back to the purples and then you're one of the top teams in the league i think it's a, <laughs> a look good feel good type of situation 100 percent. yeah i'd have to agree with you <laughs> uh, so last question here for you uh, obviously the goal is to to win a fred page cup you guys are are th- have come this far in the playoffs uh what, what do you need to see from your team um either in practice habits uh, in the games yeah. what do you need to see from your team to give you the confidence that that you you'd be able to accomplish that yeah for sure just taking it game by game series by series we know it's playoff hockey it's a it's a seven game series the good thing about that is i believe the better team will win in a seven game series it's not a just a single elimination or best of three so better team will prevail and just stay even keel no matter what no matter what the score is score in the series and do do what we can and have have our guys step up and yeah 
All right. Well, uh, that's all I got for you. So thank you so much for chatting with me, Noah. Uh, congrats on the Game 7 win and, and best of luck against West Kelowna. Thank you. Appreciate it. Huge thank you to Noah Serdakny for taking the time to chat with us. All right, moving on to our second interview. It is with Chilliwack Chiefs head coach, Brian Maloney. Just like Serdakny and the Silverbacks, Maloney and his Chiefs are coming off a Game 7 win of their own. They beat the Coquitlam Express 6-0 on Sunday night to take their first round series. So we had plenty to talk about involving Game 7 and how that round one series went for the team. Uh, We also talked to Maloney about his approach to recruiting and how they seem to be at or near the top of the standings year in and year out. And we get into his playing days. Uh, Brian Maloney actually played for the Chilliwack Chiefs back in the late 90s for a couple seasons. Went on to play four years at Michigan State University and uh, embarked on a long professional career as well, which involved time in the AHL and eventually a long stretch in Germany. So it was a great conversation. We covered a lot of ground, current day BCHL, uh, late 90s BCJHL. So um, here it is, our chat with Chilliwack Chiefs head coach, Brian Maloney. All right, Brian, first things first, your team is coming off a big game seven win in the first round on Sunday against Coquitlam. Uh, you ended up winning the game six, nothing, although it was it was a tight series. Other than that, uh, what did you learn about the character of your team, given they showed up so big in such an important game this season? Well, yeah, I think we we uh, we understand kind of what we are as a team now, and sometimes it takes uh, getting into playoffs to figure that out. You know, we've uh, we're blessed with uh, a lot of speed and talent on our team, and um, sometimes it takes uh, you know the BCHL playoffs to to figure that out for some kids. And um, we had our group kind of sink into the roles, and and Coquitlam did a fantastic job of making us earn every inch of ice out there, and. You know, both te- both teams defended hard, so it was nice to see our, our team kind of stick with it. Uh, you know, I think the pressure was on us finishing second in the division, so I think our guys felt that a little bit. And sometimes, uh, you know, when you're dealing with young teenagers, the emotions go are up highs and lows. And um, you know, pretty proud of our group to kind of just stick with it and, and stick with the same game plan that we had throughout the, the playoffs and, and get rewarded for it in Game Seven. So your team's been through a few Game 7s in recent years. Obviously, there's turnover from year to year, but uh, you beat Langley in 7 in 2019. You lost to Surrey in 7 in 2020 before uh, the playoffs shut down. Um, for you as a coach and, and even for some of those players that have experienced it as well, how do you use those experiences to your advantage? Well, it's at any level, anytime you're, I've touched on it already, but the importance of playoffs and, and how much you learn from that, whether you're a coach or you're a player and um, that, you know, that, that experience can follow you throughout your career, whether you start off in, in juniors and playoffs and, and you move out through your career and, um, you know, hopefully these kids can have long careers after um, junior hockey, but it, it does, it does, uh, does help you as you move along in in, in, in certain games and uh, some of our guys have been around that I know for myself uh, you know as a player I've experienced lots of playoff hockey and how he's had that experience for myself but as a coach uh, it's a little bit different and you know having going through that and, and, and coaching in some big games it's uh, definitely helped me throughout the, this first round as well. 
So like I mentioned, you had some big performances from a lot of different people in that game seven. But uh, one player that stood out for me in that game and really all playoffs has been Dawson Good. Uh, he had three points in game seven, a uh, goal and two assists. What can you say about his play in the playoffs and maybe the strides you've seen him take this year in his second year in the league? Yeah, well, first and foremost, Dawson's a, an amazing kid. And for, for Dawson, it's just uh, a matter of getting him to believe in himself and just, you know, keep having those conversations with him and telling him how good he is and, and um, you know, how he can use his body. And, you know, we, 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 we felt like if we get into playoffs, it's, it's players like Dawson that are, are going to kind of elevate just because they're, they're ready physically. And then you add the, the hands and the IQ into that, uh, you know, he's had a great year already. And, you know, even to the point where, um, you know, he, he was not even sure if he's ready for college hockey. And I've had, I had to have that conversation with him before we went into playoffs and just reiterate that he's ready to go. And so he's a kid that still, you know, really has to believe in himself, but it's nice to see him get rewarded for, um, you know, for all the work he's putting in. And I think this is only going to help him build his confidence and just, you know, flat out realizing that he's a heck of a player and, um, you know, not only at this level, but he has the potential to be you know, a great college player as well. So at the end of that series, you were without one of your best D-men for the final couple games. Xavier Henry was out with a suspension. Uh, obviously, you don't replace a guy who's, who's as good as he is. But uh, in, in your mind, how did the decor kind of come together and, and not replace him, but maybe cover for him during his absence? Yeah, well, if you study our our, um, our team closely, they're, they're all very similar. You know, we've had some pretty high end flashy defensemen come through here in the last few years and not to take anything away from the, the decor that we have, but we're, you know, we're a meat and potatoes group back there and we're a defend first team. And, um, you know, they, they do a fantastic job back there and, and Xavier's, you know, the man running the show back there, he's really elevated his play, uh, especially in the second half. He's, he's another kid that just starting to realize like how to use his body properly. And, you know, he's a man amongst boys physically and um, not only that, but he's become a little more poised with the puck and we've added some things structurally, you know, in the defensive zone that has have really helped him and and his uh, decor back there. So, um, yeah, you, you never replace Xavier, uh, you know, fantastic kid, puts, uh, puts his game face on even during practice. And, um, you know, we've, when we were without him, uh, you know, it's definitely – our, our brews in our lineup for sure, but um, you know we we have seven really good defensemen back there, and um, you, the, you know they all defend fairly hard, and they all can move, and we really like our group back there for sure. So after that uh, game seven win, which means you're hosting Nanaimo in game one of the second round series. Uh, before we get into the specifics of, of that matchup, I just want to ask you about the end of the regular season. Uh, your team won your final six games of the year to climb into second spot in the standings, uh, which means you have home ice in this series. Uh, I, I interviewed Ethan Bowen a couple weeks ago before the playoffs. He mentioned that finishing second was kind of a, a stated goal by the team the last few weeks of the season. So how did you approach that as a coach and, and trying to motivate your team to reach that goal I, I i imagine it must be satisfying that it's paying off here in round two yeah i mean definitely it was something we addressed but i didn't want you know sometimes if you can just come out and say that we we need home ice you know these kids um you know it is a developmental league and they're learning and sometimes that can be putting a lot of pressure on them so it was the the 
you know, the message was more about let's head into playoffs, uh, you know, playing the right way and how we want to play and the winds will follow. And when the winds follow, you know, you'll climb the standing. So we kind of just stepped it in and took steps like that. And, you know, we, we played a lot harder in the last stretch and we played, we were playing some, some playoff hockey before we even stepped foot into the playoffs. And, um, you know, and again, when you're doing that, you know, you usually have good results on a follow. So even the couple of losses that we had going into it, we, we were still defending hard and uh, we were still playing hard. So, um, you know, we just kept winning. And when you're doing that, um, oh, we're, out, we're able to uh, leapfrog uh, Nanaimo and Langley. And home ice is a big part of it. It's, uh, it's, it's a massive part of it, especially um, in this um, league. You know, you're, you're, you, anyone can beat anyone. And we just saw it with Coquillum uh, in our series. You saw it in, you know, Salmon Arm going seven games with our series. And uh, so it's a fantastic league. It's deep. Everyone can beat everyone. So the importance of having home ice and starting off uh, just some familiarities at home. And, um, you know, most teams are homers and most teams play better at home. So it's, uh, this is definitely an advantage for us. Yeah, you you and Nanaimo finished tied in the standings. You you owned the tiebreaker with head to head. You had identical records, uh, so obviously it's a close matchup on paper. Um, for you, how how close do you think the two teams actually are on the ice? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. I think it's uh, you know two two teams that you know are. Um, you know, that are defend hard. And I think that the is always known for, you know, you know, they're a work first team and, you know, they'll put the work in. And, um, you know, I think that they've gone through quite a bit this year and, um, you know, a little different in the second half. So um, we got, it was nice to play them kind of late in the season and get a little bit of a, a taste of kind of what, when things have changed over there. So it's, we got a little, uh, a taste of them early and late. So, um, yeah, I think I, I do believe that we match up well against them still. I think that if we, if we come out and play the same way we did against Coquillum, it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, um, a really good series for both teams. Um, so Nanaimo is one of the highest scoring teams in the league, and they also have one of the most dynamic top lines in the league. They have a, a trio of Sean Donaldson, Tristan Fraser, and Max Itagaki. Uh, well, when you see that you're facing a, a high scoring line like that, uh, what's what's your approach to maybe, I don't know, shutting them down is the right word, but limiting them and trying to defend them? Oh, well, yeah, we just got to make sure that you know, they're going to get their opportunities, but, you know, we have to limit those opportunities and we also have to force them into the bad areas of the ice and, um, you know, make it difficult for them and not give them time to kind of get comfortable within the series. So um, I think we're going to, when you know, I've mentioned it a few times already that we defend hard, but we, we also defend fairly quick and we, we close on a lot of teams quickly and we, uh, and we try to eliminate any time and space for uh, especially high end players like, like you've named. So yeah, they're, 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 uh, they're a fantastic line and they're fun to watch. And I think that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll produce offensively. It's, uh, there's no really shutting them down. It's just containing them and, and trying to eliminate opportunities for them. And then just hopefully that, you know, we look for our depth and, you know, in Chilliwack, I, you know, you try to, you try to recruit depth here and we like, uh, you know, our, from top to bottom and bottom to top. And um, we're pretty comfortable with, um, you know, our bottom six playing against top six uh, forwards in this league. So um, we got to look to kind of grind teams down. And that's kind of what we did with, 
of Coquitlam, I felt like, you know, it did go seven game, games, but, you know, we just, we gave, um, you know, the players of, of like Tattle, we gave them different looks and uh, from different different lines and just making, making those guys' uh, nights a little bit tougher. I want to throw a curveball here you near the end and ask you a little bit about your playing days. Um, you were actually, <clears throat> excuse me, a member of the Chilliwack Chiefs for a couple of years from 1997 to 1999. Uh, you put up a lot of points, especially in your second year in the team. You're also the team captain. Um, just thinking back to those days, uh, in your mind, uh, what type of player were you back in, in your BCJHL days? <laughs> well, you're, you're dating me there, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I just wanted to be a player that was relied upon in, in all different areas of the ice. Yeah, I was able to produce, you know, offensively, but I also wanted to be a guy where Harvey, um, you know, relied upon defensively, and, and um, you know, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be that teammate that, uh, you know, stuck up for his teammates, but also. Um, went out there and put the work in. I didn't have, you know, I was I was a motivator as an older guy, but I also, um, you know, enjoyed the, you know, I loved the game and I loved the competitive spirit of the game. And, um, you know, I was a little more mild-mannered off the ice, but on the ice, uh, you know, just a flip a switch and was ready to compete every single shift. And, um, you know, and you had to back, you had to back then. There was, uh, you know, it was, there was a lot of room to move out there so it was uh but i you know i threw my body around a little bit and um you know i just created some space for myself and um yeah it was uh it was a good good league back then i, I came from the alberta league a bit and i wanted to come out here and get exposed a little more um and once i did that i had some uh, school options and um, you know, and the, and the atmosphere, and you know, I remember some of, some of these buildings. Uh, you know, the old Coliseum in Chilliwack, but not only our building, but you you head to, down the road to Surrey or in the Langley. These places were were packed, and uh, the atmosphere is fantastic. So the league just put out its uh, 60th anniversary team the other day, a list of the, kind of the top players of all time. I mentioned you put out a, up a bunch of points your second year. Uh, the guy who finished first just ahead of you, John McNabb, made the uh, the 60th anniversary team. So I guess I'm wondering if you were offended that uh, you, you didn't get selected <laughs> for the 60th team. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. He was Johnny McNabb. He was a fantastic player. And- <laughs> You know, he put that team on his back. We had we had some pretty good depth in Chilliwack, so it wasn't all about uh, wasn't all about me. I put the numbers up, but there was a lot of fantastic um, you know players on our team that could have been just leading our team if not uh, taking over the league. But yeah, Johnny McNabb, he was uh, he was a heck of a player, and uh, I get to bump into him a few times in Calgary over the years, and we've had some laughs about about the uh, you know Langley Surrey rivalry. So you went out to play four years at Michigan State after that. You, you had some good years and, and actually some good teams as well in your time there. Uh, what was your college experience like uh, getting to play hockey at Michigan State? Well, I mean, that's kind of why I'm coaching back at this level, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, my message is, you know, I don't really necessarily like to talk about myself, but I talk about my experience and, I, and, I, and you know, I, uh, my message is, um, to spread that message to the young kids that join before they even get into juniors and then on our team, just the life experience and the life lessons you'll learn through, through going to college and playing, becoming a student athlete is, I mean, I still have friends uh, to this day that uh, I made over the college years. So it's uh, it's a pretty unique experience. You put of, uh, you know, you go four years, uh, 
pour your heart and soul into in, into a program, and and usually, you know, it's not like you now nowadays a little different with the portal, but for the most part, you're you're staying together for four years. Um, you know, we had some pretty darn good teams back at Michigan State uh, those years. Uh, you know, ranked number one for uh, you know I think two or three year or four years, and did a lot of winning there too. And um, you know, again, some pretty darn good hockey. It's a big jump from junior to college, but it's uh, it's pretty cool the atmosphere. And that was a small town prairie boy from Alberta, and going down to a you know walking on a campus with over fifty five thousand students. And the first thing I did was try to try to get in. Uh, get out and watch and support all the other uh, sports program, athletic programs out there because I thought it was just amazing. I got to go watch baseball and volleyball and golf and all this stuff right down to women's crew. <laughs> so uh-huh. it was uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, and, and again, you know, the, my my classmates that. That I, that I came in with, that was just our classmates. I think you know, four or five of us went pro. A lot of guys in the NHL, and um, you know, some a couple of my classmates are doctors now, and so they, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool experience for sure. Yeah, you just kind of touched on this, but I did want to ask you, given the fact that you've been through the BCHL, you've been through college hockey, you played pro for a long time, um, that that has to help you in your interactions and your teachings with your current players, given they know that you've been through the same things and have accomplished what they're trying to do. Uh, is that accurate? Is that kind of lend, a, um, I don't know if legitimacy is the right word, but does it help in, in those interactions with your current players? I, I would like to think so, but you know, I think it's how you approach your players and how much you you, you got to be able to respect each other. And, and I have a ton of respect for these kids that are showing up and putting work in, and um, I, and I hope that they they see the same. And once you form that relationship and you um, you know you have that respect for one another, you know, then the backing comes with that. You know, you could I could have a long pro career and and uh or a college career or whatever it is and if i'm not putting the work in and if i'm not um you know forming a relationship with these kids it doesn't matter who you are they'll shut you out so i think you know we have a good working relationship with our staff our staff works extremely hard here and we put a lot of time and effort into to getting to know um our players even before they come into chilliwack uh, we spend a lot of time on the phone um, checking in on guys and talking throughout the summer and do a lot of uh, one-on-one conversations through video or just straight or just flat out asking how their day is and once you're doing that and um you know you're backing it up with some of the uh, stories and the experience that that comes from you know playing pro or college for for, for quite some time i think uh you know they, they really start you can you can tell that they really sink in and start to listen and and when, so when you're giving them tips on just you know simple things for example of how to release a puck or, or catch a puck or or how to you know pre-bump around the wall and these different things that you can have conversations with they're not looking at you um you know, thinking that you're trying to sell them something that, you know, they truly are really listening to what you have to do. And then and the coolest thing is, you know, watching them going out and try to do the things that you're asking them to do. So that's, uh, you know, that's the beauty of which the reason why I love coaching at this level. And, you know, all these kids are kind of just open, open eyed and listening to everything you have to say. And, and they're excited to kind of soak, soak it all in. So this kind of ties into to what we've been talking about as far as coaching and teaching and even recruiting. Uh, you've been the head coach in Chilliwack since the end of the 2018 season. Uh, you, you guys won a national championship that first year. You've, you've had some really strong teams ever since. So uh, what's your approach to building a roster that seems to be consistently near the top of the standings? 
well, we, we put a lot of work in, and, and I'm sure most coaches do throughout our league. That's why our league is uh, arguably you know one of the better leagues in North America, and, and you know, but we you know I treat it like a uh, you know it's a, it's definitely a, it's a full time job, and even the summers we spend a lot of time uh, going over stuff and or. or revamping kind of what we want to do heading into the season. So, uh, you know, I, I, we run it like a, you know, a college program. Uh, we're, we're recruiting three years deep here. So we, um, I know we put a lot of phone calls in and, um, you're not going to win them all cause there's a lot of, you know, fantastic opportunities for players out in this league. So, but, um, we, we just want to make sure we're in conversations with the kids that we really like. So, um, again, um, I know we have, we're blessed with having, you know, a nice facility and, and, and a lot of bells and whistles that goes with it. But, but that's not typically what I lead with when I, when we're recruiting, we want kids to come here for the right reasons. And that's that they feel loved and that they feel like they're, um, you know, they're going to develop and, and all these other things that come along with coming to Chilliwack are, are kind of the cherry on top that are going to help them develop. But, um, again, I, I've, 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 uh, played in some, in some places where, you know, it's been nice facilities and everything, but it's the culture isn't how you want it or, or, or the, maybe the coach is barking at you in the wrong way. And, uh, it doesn't matter how fast fancy the facility is. If you don't like it there, you're going to want to get out of there. So we want to have a culture and, um, that we feel like everyone wants to be there and then and then they look around and say wow this is a pretty pretty nice facility and um all the things that come with it last question for you i appreciate you sticking with me i know we're going a little bit long here um obviously the goal for for the remaining teams <clears throat> is to win the fred page cup especially a team like yours who finished second in the standings and, and has had success uh, in the regular season so uh what do you need to see from your team whether it's in practice or, or in games that will lead to success and and ultimately a long playoff run well just i think that anytime you're dealing with this age group it's staying focused you know we that you know that's that's the biggest struggle we, we we've seen at times especially here in chilliwack the you know it's been a little bit of a night and day one team shows up and then you know another team shows up the other night so it's just consistency and and finding ways to hold them accountable without them you know doing what they're asking you to do out of fear we want to make sure that these kids understand what what they're doing and why we're asking them so um it's kind of maybe a more of a soft approach here but um you know i expect that you know if you want to be a competitive athlete and which which i think these kids are and they want to you know it's they want to win which is why you know why they're here and um, you know, if you can't get up for, for BCHL playoff hockey, then they're probably in the wrong sport. So they should be motivated and they should be on their toes ready to play. It's just our job is to, to make sure that they stay focused. And, you know, we've addressed that this week. You know, you're coming off a win, but, you know, that's just step one. we got a few more to take here. So uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played still. There's some great teams to be, um, you know, that are ahead of us still that we have to get through. And then I will be in the next one. And, you know, they're a fantastic team and we got to be ready to play if, or, or uh, you know, we could be done here in a week. All right, Brian. Well, thank you so much right. for joining me. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck in round two. Yeah, no problem, Jesse. Thanks a lot. What would you call a new crispy chicken sidekick made by Subway sandwich experts? With seasoned chicken breast free from artificial flavors, a crispy golden brown coating, and freshly prepared just for you? At Subway, we call it the complete package. Introducing our new crispy chicken sidekick, only $3.99. 
Only at Subway, and only here for a limited time. Subway, eat fresh. Freshly prepared for your order. Limited time at participating restaurants. Extras additional, plus tax. Thank you so much to Brian Maloney for taking the time to chat with us. All right, our third and final interview. We speak with BCHL alumnus Michael Gartag. Gartag played three seasons in the BCHL from 2008 to 2012. He was a member of the Powell River Kings for the first two seasons in the league and then finished up his junior career with the Penticton Vs. If you know anything about your BCHL history, uh, you definitely know that Gartag's name is all over the BCHL record books. He owns the record for career wins with 92. He owns the career shutouts record with 12. And he's also one of three goaltenders tied for the single season record in shutouts uh, with seven when he accomplished that feat in the 2010-11 season with the Powell River Kings. If that wasn't enough, that same year in Powell River, he set the single season mark for goals against average, 1.69, and also posted the fourth highest save percentage uh, at a 9.34 mark. That 2010-11 season was his best statistically, but uh, his next season when he joined Penticton was almost just as good. He finds himself on some of those single season lists again in that Penticton year. He posted a 193 goals against, which is the ninth best all time in a single season uh, and five shutouts that year, which ties him for fifth uh, among all BCHL players. Also in that third season in Penticton, he was a part of the V's team that set the Canadian Junior A record for 42 straight wins. Uh, They would go on to win the Fred Page Cup and also win uh, a national title. The BCHL recently put out its 60th anniversary team, which was put together by three experts who have an extensive knowledge of the league and and the league's 60-year history. And Michael Gartag was a unanimous choice for the top goaltender in BCHL history. So he appears first on the list when it comes to BCHL goalies all time. After his time in the league, he played four years at Quinnipiac University uh, and then embarked on a pro career. He's still playing today in Finland. A couple of years ago, he won a championship in the ECHL with the Newfoundland Growlers. So uh, we cover all that and more with Michael. Uh, it was great to talk to him and, and catch up with a player who was so important to the BCHL. So here it is. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our talk with BCHL alumnus, former Powell River King and Penticton V, Michael Gartag. All right, Michael. Uh, well, you were just voted to the BCHL 60th anniversary team as the unanimous top choice uh, at the goaltender position, meaning uh, in many people's opinion, uh, you're the, the best goalie the BCHL has seen in its 60 years of existence. So uh, what does it mean to you to, to get that type of recognition and hear that about yourself? Yeah, honestly, when, it, when I kind of saw it, I was, uh, I, I felt I thought it was just, I thought it was really cool. Honestly, I just felt, uh, like super humbled and, um, it's so cool that people think that, I guess. And I thought that about my career and when you're playing, you don't think about that stuff. You just kind of just do what you're doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was so fortunate to play for (laughs) literally some of the best teams in the BCHL maybe in existence. So, um, obviously, uh, I think I'm just a product of that, but, um, you know, I, I still am very honored and, and humbled because there's lots of good goaltenders and 
lots of good players. So it's cool to be named among some of them. So you own a ton of BCHL records. You got the career wins, career shutouts, goals against in a single season, just to name a few. Uh, your best year statistically came in 2010-11 with Powell River. Uh, what do you remember about the second season in the league there? You had a 9-3-4 save percentage, led the team to the Fred Page Cup pi- final for the, th- the third year in a row for the team. What do you remember about that season? Oh, it was uh, it was crazy because going into that year, I think for Powell River, I think uh, – there was a lot of question marks in the goaltending uh, department. And um, when they kept me that year to be the starting goalie, I don't think anyone expected that to be the outcome. So um, that was obviously, I think the fact that they gave me that confidence and I just kind of took the ball and ran with it. We had a, a massive uh, decor, like some, some guys that were six three, six four, And so obviously they uh, made my job easy. And then, uh, the coaching staff was uh, like I was Kent Lewis and Paul River, and um, he did a really good job at kind of like honing in on the defensive structure of the game. So we, uh, yeah, we had a we had just a, a really good team, honestly, and um, we lost in the finals, and um, you know, kind of just couldn't quite get it done. And I, I probably didn't play my best either. And um, but from what I remember, is obviously just nothing but good memories because when you're playing in Powell River it's a small town small community and kind of just rally behind you and it's a lot of fun when you're doing well there yeah you, you just mentioned it unfortunately for you and your teammates you ran into a dynasty team um the the team three years in a row and yourself two years uh, against the Vernon Vipers there who who won three straight so um how, how disappointing was it to get that far and then run into such a a strong team and and really the last dynasty the BCHL has seen Oh man, it's just like something about it. Just when you're in the BCHL, having to play them, no matter if they're first or last, it's like they're Vernon Vipers. It's, it's just so much history, and like obviously one of the powerhouse teams every single year. And then um, you know, knowingly we played them the year before, and I was a backup goalie then. And we played them the year before, we lost in seven games, and they were probably the better team. And it's like then the next year we have to play them, and I think arguably we were probably the better team, but like I said, to the Vernon Vipers, like just weird things happen. And, um, yeah, what an organization. So, um, yeah, it was unfortunate for sure. We had a good group of guys and a good team. And, uh, like I said, just unfortunately couldn't get it done. So the next season you were acquired by Penticton in the 2011-12 season. You were a key part of that V's team that set a Canadian junior A record with 42 straight wins. Uh, what was it like to be a, a part of that group in, in such a historic team? Yeah, like that's just uh yeah, like the stars aligned. Like everything just I don't know how that ended up happening and how you know, how it all worked out was just like uh obviously I was so happy about it, but um yeah, like what a talented group of guys. I mean, like to this day a lot of that team is still playing professional hockey and that that's crazy cuz I mean, that's like 10 10 or more years ago now, so it's it's yeah, it, it, it's crazy to think because uh you know, to play one pro game, yellow, and these guys are still playing in the NHL. It's pretty impressive. So, um, you kind of knew it then that we were probably a little better than some of the other teams. And it was, uh, a lot of fun when you're winning that many in a row too. 
Yeah, and it wasn't just the 42 straight in the regular season. You ended up winning the Fred Page Cup, so you got your your championship. Uh, unfortunately, maybe for you, it was against Powell River, your former team. I don't know if that was a little uncomfortable or not, but uh, you, you went on to win Nationals as well. You won the league's top goaltender award for the second year in a row. Uh, how special was it to finish off your junior career with that kind of team success, as well as the individual accolades that kind of came along with it? Well, I think I think it was so like imperative to my career because uh, I grew up in Prince George and like we never really had winning teams. So like it was always very hard to win tournaments or, you know, you're traveling far and you're kind of always the underdog. We just don't have the population size of, you know, some of the bigger cities in Vancouver and Kelowna even and whatnot. So it was, uh, you know, when I started playing junior A and then we kind of just got, you know, everywhere my, I, when I played in Powell River, I played Penticton. You know, you start to win a lot of games, and then you win uh, as a goalie, and that kind of starts to become your reputation. And it was huge for me moving forward because I felt like uh, when I got to Quinnipiac, uh, my first year, despite not playing, um, you know, we just kind of the team had success, and then the next year we had success, and again and again. And you know, my senior year of college, I had. You know, we played 43 games. I had like 34 wins or four losses in regulation. And it was just, uh, I think I just got to keep that ball rolling from Penticton. Or that's the way how I looked at it, at least. And you have that confidence when you you win a championship that you kind of just bring it wherever you go. And, you know, to this day, like, I, you know, I'm so proud of that, that part of my career. And, you know, being a part of something like that, you just don't forget it. Yeah, you mentioned Quinnipiac. Uh, you spent four years there after your BCHL career. It's a school that's well known for having a lot of former BCHL players. Uh, after that freshman year, when you were the backup, you kind of became a workhorse for that team. You played uh, 40 games, 36 games, and then 40 games uh, in your final three years, which is kind of almost unheard of nowadays at the college level. There's usually a, lo- a lot more of a tandem setup. So uh, getting to play so much and, and still putting up really strong numbers at the college level, what do you think that did for your development? Yeah, I mean, like, if anyone that knows me or has played with me, like, I'm obviously an extreme competitive guy or extreme competitor. And I think... Uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, having the coaching staff trust me and believe in me like that, it was, like I said, just kind of gave me that confidence. And then just playing playing games is was best for development, obviously. And, um, you know, I think that was challenging for me later on in my career when I turned pro because I, I wasn't maybe relied, relied upon as heavy as I was in college. But um, regardless of it, I, it, was, it was such an amazing four years. Like, you know, um, I met my soon to be wife and back in college and like I got to play four years with the same guys for four same four straight years. Like you just become lifelong friends. You get an education, you get to play in front of the students that you go to school with. It was just an amazing experience and I was lucky to play a lot of games there. And then after you wrapped up your college career, you ended up signing a pro contract with the Vancouver Canucks. I know you, you mentioned your Prince George kid, a BC boy. So they are your home province team. I'm guessing you had a connection to them when you were growing up. So uh, how special was it to sign an NHL deal, but, but also have it be with Vancouver? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had uh, a couple couple options. And like for me, it was just like I was in awe when it was the Vancouver Canucks. I, I knew that all year they were they were interested and I knew that I went to their development camp like two years prior and kind of just, I was always a little bit on their radar, I I think. And, 
um, yeah, I just felt some sort of connection to them naturally, obviously being from British Columbia. And I just felt like it was like a hometown thing for me. And, um, yeah, what, what an honor and like probably one of the highlights of my career. And, um, you know, maybe not afterwards signing the thing, but just signing the contract alone was, was a, you know, huge something in my life. I'll never forget. And then the next three years, you, you split between the AHL and the ECHL. Uh, and in 2018-19, you landed with the Newfoundland Growlers, who were an expansion team at, this, at the time in the ECHL. And you ended up leading them all the way to the Kelly Cup Championship. Uh, so uh, what was that experience like, winning that, a title at the pro level? And maybe how unique was it getting it to do it with an expansion team? Yeah, we were so lucky. We were so lucky because uh, we had, like, I think 14 affiliated players on the team or maybe more or less, but, um, you know, probably like double the amount that most teams have. So like we were affiliated with Toronto Marlies and Toronto Maple Leafs. So much of our team was on contracts with those teams and we were just lucky enough to have all this talent and, um, yeah, very young team, but, um, you know, just like a, like a hungry bunch of individuals that wanted to play at the next level. And then, you know, when guys are hungry and want to succeed themselves, it kind of just ties into a good team dynamic where we're having fun and winning a lot of hockey games and um, playing in St. John's, Newfoundland, ironically, is kind of like playing in Paul River. So, you know, you're on an island and uh, the community just rallied behind us like you wouldn't believe it was incredible. And then, you know, we're selling out the, the rink and, you know, put it together in playoffs and it was incredible. It was definitely a highlight in my career, if not the biggest highlight of my career. And the next year you joined uh, Tapara in Finland. Uh, what went into the decision to go to Europe rather than stay in North America? Um, yeah, after winning, it was, it was like I had a really good year there and I had definitely had some options to stay in North America. And um, I think it was just a decision to try something else and something new and, like financially speaking, it's probably it was probably a little bit um, more of an upgrade in that aspect to go over to Europe and, and try in Finland, and that's considered obviously one of the top leagues in in the world. And uh, going to Tapra was like uh, they're obviously considered one of the better organizations also in Europe. So when I found out it was that team and the whole situation, and um, you know, I, I like I had a meeting with Toronto about it, and they actually kind of pushed me in that direction, which was pretty pretty awesome. And um, yeah, I just made that made that that jump. And once I got over there, it just changed my mindset. I just started to probably enjoy the game a little bit more, and um, you know, wasn't chasing the NHL and just was uh, having fun, making a living, and you know, experiencing a different culture. Yeah, you seem to enjoy your time in Finland after a season in Germany. You're, you're back there uh, in Finland again this year with a different team, HIFK, and, and recently wrapped up your season there. So uh, your most recent season with that team uh, back in Finland, how did things go for you? Oh, it was an absolute, absolute roller coaster of a season, but it was, uh, it was, I would say it was still successful. It was playing for, so yeah, HIFK is... I mean, I won't get too much into detail, but it's in Helsinki, which is the capital city of Finland. It's like, it's like playing for the New York Yankees and the MLB or, you know, like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like you have just immense pressure on you from the whole entire country, not, not just the city. So, um, you know, it's the big budget team, 
uh, you know, guys are getting paid more. You're getting big name guys there. You know, a lot of ex NHL guys or, you know, Finnish Olympic players. And it's, uh, yeah. So the pressure is, is crazy. And I think we really felt that this year we had this team that was arguably probably the best team in the league, but, uh, unfortunately we lost in the first round and, you know, that's why I'm sitting on my couch in, in New Hampshire right now. So, but you're it's, talking, uh, to me. you're talking to me. So it's not all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, last question for you. Uh, this is the BCHL 60th anniversary season. Uh, you were obviously a big part of the league in your three years there. We, we covered that at the start here. So when you look back on your time in the BCHL, uh, what does it mean to you? What does the league mean to you? What are the, the couple teams you played for? What, what does it all mean to you? Uh, it's just such a great, like such a great overall experience. I just, I grew so much as a person and, um, I got to make friends that I still am friends with to this day. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And, uh, the league as a whole is an amazing league and, um, such a good development league. And I'm so glad that people are, are catching light of the BCHL and, and going the college route opposed to major junior. No route is wrong, but you know, I just, obviously I went to school, so I'm a little biased in that aspect of it and uh it's just great that people are you know are getting the exposure and to me the league means a lot and i'm grateful that i played there and grateful for all the opportunities that the coaches and playing with those teammates i did and and just getting named to this <clears throat> the uh the first or the first team or whatever you want to call it for the 60th anniversary it's uh it's an honor all right, Michael. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It was great to talk to you. And we've been doing a lot of these alumni interviews. So uh, it was it was important to talk to you as one of the top goalies in league history. So really appreciate the time and uh, best of luck uh, in the next few years of your career. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, that does it. Another episode of the BCHL podcast in the books. Thanks again to all of my guests, Michael Gartag, who you just heard from, Noah Serdakny, who we heard from at the top, and of course, Brian Maloney, head coach of the Chilliwack Chiefs. Just want to remind everybody that the BCHL podcast is presented by Subway. And also a shout out to our producer, Greg Ballack, who works hard putting this thing together behind the scenes. Before we sign off, a few quick plugs. I mentioned uh, during the Gartag interview and intro, uh, the BCHL has put together a 60th anniversary team. It's a lineup of 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies, voted on by three BCHL experts, three people with extensive knowledge of the league and its history. Uh, So we put together kind of a a comprehensive list as a a cap on some of the 60th anniversary coverage we've done this year. So you can find that at bchl.ca. On top of that, the league also announced its year-end All-Stars this week. On Wednesday, the league announced its first-team All-Stars, second-team All-Stars, and all-rookie teams. Uh, So you can find that full recap on the BCHL website. Uh, As well, we have uh, a round two playoff preview for each conference. And last but not least, we produced a recap of all of the uh, BCHL alumni that have signed pro contracts following the college season. Uh, So far, 30 former BCHL players have signed pro deals since the end of their college season. And that includes four players signing NHL deals. Uh, We have Kent Johnson signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the team that drafted him. Uh, Taylor Ward signed with the Los Angeles Kings. Corey Andonofsky, uh, former Chilliwack Chief, signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And former Coquitlam Express goalie Clay Stevenson signed a deal with the Washington Capitals. So 
lots of good stuff to keep you uh, entertained uh, on the BCHL website. So be sure to check that out at bchl.ca. Uh, for up-to-the-minute updates and, and all other coverage of the league, uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at BC Hockey League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And just another quick note, we are posting exclusive photos on Instagram throughout the playoffs. We did it throughout uh, round one of uh, action shots from each game during the postseason. And you can only find that on our Instagram account. So be sure to follow us at BC Hockey League to get access to those exclusive photos. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again very soon.